Hey guys, welcome to Begging Broadcast, episode number 451. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we are looking forward to coming out August 4th, 2021. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, it's time for our monthly look back. We're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that we read in July 2021. Yeah. And we don't listen to that. Yeah, I'm not going to listen because there's too too many lists. And, you know, you're going to listen to us talk about them anyway. Yeah, so why sit through that? I'm going to save some breath and uh, take a drink. Yeah, take this time to take another sip of your great beer that you're drinking. Hopefully, it's great. John was so excited to drink he actually drank two different beers he has two first beers i have two average beers that i'll talk about wow. i opened one and said eh, maybe i'll open another one and then i opened another one and went eh. uh, but my first beer is narragansett's dell's rhode island hard tea this is a lemonade tea beer kind of like your um twisted tea kind of oh. style uh, this is uh, Narragansett is famous for being in the movie Jaws with their lager, and this is actually owned by Genesee and is brewed here in Roch- or brewed in Rochester. And this is a decent tea with a little bit of lemon to it, and it's five percent in a tall boy can. Hmm. Uh, interesting trivia fact for disc golf fans and also craft beer nerds: uh, one of the first tournaments. Uh, to be played like was in Rochester and in fact when the guy that was head of the pro disc golf association like stepped down and retired he handed a can of green Tennessee cream ale to the his replacement kind of as a patching of passing of the torch hmm. it's weird that's fun yeah and- Jenny cream ale's not bad <laughs> It's not and bad. If somebody was to hand me their like hand over their king keys to the kingdom, you know, proverbially, a beer is a great way to do it. I would say. Yeah, and what you might not want to hand somebody is Rothhouse Pills, Tannen Zaffel, the original Black Forest, uh, German Pilsner. A six pack of this comes to you at sixteen ninety nine. Which is outrageous for this beer, uh, 5.3%, because this is just a average blah beer. I've had so many better Pilsners, even Pilsners that I've rated uh, poorly, I probably would rate over this. Euro Trash Pills? Euro Trash Pills, I would put over that. I I enjoyed Euro Trash Pills. that's the last that and the Wright Brothers pills from Great Lakes. I, I don't think it was called Wright Brothers pills. I don't remember. Uh, the, I think it's like just like the Wright pills. Wright pills. Yeah. Wright pills. Uh, those two are the two pills I remember us all really kind of enjoying, and that yeah. was ten years ago. <laughs> this has got a, a metallicness to it, mid palate, and um, there's just nothing crisp about it. I like a nice crisp pop on my Pilsner. Um, but yeah, it's just, just not worth it. And I talked about two. <laughs> uh, well, so but I'm actually interested in hearing what 
Chris has to say, but I cut him off because he had something to say. No, because uh, I was going to kind of segue off that because if you're looking for something crisp, uh, might I suggest my first beer? And this is coming from Crooked Can Brewing out of Winter Garden, Florida. Um, I sent you guys some pictures of my day there a couple, di- a couple days ago. I don't remember when it was now. Um, but Crooked Can Brewing operates out of what's known as the Plant Street Market where it's kind of like an indoor warehouse facility where one third of it is actually the brewing and like they have a brew pub. So you can just like go get crawlers, growlers, cans to go, um, beers to drink there. But then the next two thirds of it is all just kind of like small stalls that are all different foods. Uh, There's a barbecue place, a gourmet mac and cheese spot, uh, a butcher shop, a deli, a coal fired pizza place. Handmade uh, ice cream, a coffee mm. roaster, a tea shop, uh, a ceviche place, an empanada mm. stand. I think there's like three Ooh, more places. Hand in there. pies. Did um, you get an empanada? I did not, but solely just because uh, I had eaten like a huge thing of buffalo chicken mac and cheese. And mm. when I say huge, I mean I ate half of it and I took the next half to work for lunch the next day. And we got a giant bag of gourmet popcorn, which was a cheddar cheese and dill mix. They call it their, mm-hmm. the chill mix. Uh, really good. Uh, and then we kind of walked around Winter Garden because Winter Garden's kind of just like Florida's Smallville, USA. Like it's very like small town esque. Like, we walk down the street and you have a, a local bookseller, like a record store, an antique shop. So it was just kind of a cool day out and about. Um, so I did want to get an empanada, and that was one of the places that I know I will be going to next time on top of the barbecue stand. Uh, but yeah, Crooked Cab Brewing. If you've ever been to Raglan Road at Disney Springs, they actually brew some of the beers that they have there as their house beers. Um, but what I'm drinking right now is not one of those. And this is their Florida Sunshine Lager, sitting at 5% ABV. Uh, this was actually a 2019 gold medal winner for some beer competition. I was trying to research what it was because I didn't take a picture of the banner that they have hanging in the tap room. Um, so I was just trying to do some quick Google foo, and I couldn't find it. Um, but, yeah, this is a nice, crispy semi-malty lager like it's great for a hot day i picked up a four pack of this because i was gonna get a growler but then the bartender was like oh we actually have that in cans and it's cheaper i was like all right well i'm just gonna get a growler or something else so that works (laughs) out well um i've already drank three of these and i was just saving this one for the show it's a perfect hot day beer like it's great just to come home it's five percent so it's a little bit more than a session but it's still pretty easy to crush. Like that's why I'm starting off with this one. Cause I mean, I will have to leave in a little bit to go pick up my girlfriend from work and I don't feel any kind mm. of worry, like downing this one. I mean, like, Hey, let me drive down the road. Cause it's, it's very light, very drinkable. Nice. I always Good. enjoy those kind of beers. Paul, what you got? What I have is from young lion brewing company and they're out of Canandaigua, New York, right? And, yes. Ooh, uh, John's dad's old neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. yes. This is their Honey Bear IPA. This is 7% alcohol by volume. Uh, there's uh, something listed, some number in there. 
uh, that I'm not going to mention. And then an SRM3. I don't know what SMR is. Is that the but straw? The SM- yeah, is that the SRM. color? Oh, okay, maybe. Um, but this is a, a Citra Forward IPA, and I, that's definitely what I get. But it also has some oats, milk sugar, wildflower honey um, with their dry hop Citra. Uh, it's a nice, easy drinking, double high dry, ah, dry hopped citra beer, and I'm not getting that much sweetness or any kind of flavor of the honey coming through. But that just might be me. I did brush my teeth right before we started this episode, but it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a good, yeah, an hour, or not an hour, a half hour, forty minutes. Yeah, that should be fine. Since, yeah, I should be fine. But you know, I, I've taken quite a drink in a third of this so far. And still, I think it's a nice, easy-drinking, good Citra IPA. You know, double IPA. Yeah. Still at 7%. I don't want to call this a double. I like it. It's it's decent. Yeah, I I have a double IPA coming up next. And again, spoilers, I picked up a growler of it. Mm -hmm. And the other night when I got home from work, I cracked that one open. And I'm really looking forward to it because it's a nice big kind of floral pop uh, nice like citrus zest bite to it so that's one of my go-to beer styles right now and it's hard to not always get that to drink because you can get burnt out on the IPAs pretty quick so it takes something to just really make me keep going back mm-hmm. to it so that's part of why I grabbed you know the lager the IPA and then the stuff for today because it's all kind of different enough that I don't think I'm going to burn out my palate on anything yeah, those New Englands definitely have that palate fatigue. And um, especially, like, I can get my hands on a new other half every week, but to drink four of those or to get, you know, a couple of them and have one or the other, like, over a weekend, like, it, it's a lot. Like, it's not something I want to do. And especially, like, summer, that's why, like, Chris, when we were down in Florida together, I was like... Let me try your lager. Let me try your Kolsch. Let me try this. And then we'd also get sours and stouts and other stuff. But it's like, those are just nice, refreshing beers. Yeah, I think next time you come down, I think you'll enjoy Crooked Can and Castle Church because, you know, that's kind of what they do and do well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Just like I might be looking forward to going out to the News Garden. Ooh, guys, we had some big news, some horrible news, some slightly bad news, and then some good news that John didn't pay attention to because he doesn't (laughs) want to be spoiled on things. (laughs) So, Chris, you're bringing this to the table. It's a story that I feel like we've talked about uh, in every industry a little too much, especially the video game and also board game industry. Uh, And that's... Dealing with Blizzard, right? Yeah. Activision uh, Blizzard? A game, well, not just a game, but a developer that we've talked about a lot on the show, Blizzard Entertainment, responsible for stuff like World of Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, StarCraft. You know, a lot of those formulative games for me when I was growing up, uh, being sued by the state of California due to sexual harassment and discrimination and pay disparity between... uh, the male workers at the 
developer and female and minority workers. Um, there's been multiple complaints over there. This investigation has been going on for years and everything's just kind of come to a head where all this dirty laundry is coming out. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's kind of sickening the stuff that's happened. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the examples that they gave in the paperwork, which is all available to read online because it is a state lawsuit. So like everything's out there for the public. Um, one of the heads of the company was known to make, you know, sexual advances towards people. Uh, his office was known as the Cosby suite. Mm. Yeah. 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 At conventions. Yeah. Uh, and they had like the mobile Cosby suite when they would go to conventions where they would have Aww. like a framed picture of Bill Cosby that they would hang up on the wall. And some people have come up and like, well, no, they called it the Cosby suite because the carpet in there was really gross and ugly and it looked like, uh, you know, the Cosby sweater. And then other people are like, hmm, hmm. It, that might when be when I was in that office, there was no carpet in there, so you know, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but then one of the female employees at the company committed suicide after her nude photos were passed around at like a company function, and then at one of their, I don't know if it was a work retreat or conference that they went to, uh, her supervisor was making unwanted advances towards her, uh, as well as bringing along... Uh, sexual devices and lubricants to to show her um and it Mm. seems to be one of those things where it had been brought up by people at the company and it had been kind of like swept on the road like oh well we'll talk to you know the people about it but they would just get a talking to slap on the wrist Mm -hmm. and then it would continue as business as usual um but now things are coming out and as a result it's kind of disgusting and I don't feel right playing World of Warcraft anymore Um, I guess an opportune time because right when all this was happening uh, Final Fantasy 14 went on sale (laughs) where you could get the first like the main game A Realm Reborn and then like the three expansions for it for like 20 bucks and I actually downloaded everything the day that the story broke and I kind of started playing, it. and then the next day it's like, oh wow, everything, everything's kind of gross. Um, a lot of people have a lot of, you know, a lot more weight in this industry and a lot more mm-hmm. things to say about it than I do as, you know, a fan of these games and someone that's consumed them for years. But I don't like stake my livelihood off of it. Like I watch a lot of streamers and YouTubers that this is what they do. Like every week they put out videos about these games. They like, straight, uh, they stream them. They do the like lower breakdowns and that's all stuff that I like, but it just doesn't feel right playing it right now. It feels icky. You know, yeah. Just it's icky. And I don't want to be a part of that right now. I'm sure I'll go back to it at some point. And this is kind of what the big thing I want to talk about was, is separating the art from the artists. I can like the game, but I don't have to like what's going on behind the scenes. And I kind of equate that to the way I feel about Harry Potter, because Mm -hmm. I love me some Harry Potter in the Wizarding World, but J.K. Rowling's kind of a terrible piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And I know my consuming that content does you know pay her rent 
But at the same time, I can realize, like, well, no, she's terrible, but I appreciate the work itself. And there's even comic books and comic book creators that I'm kind of in line with that as well. Like, I can still like, you know, some books from creators, but I might not necessarily like them. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard because at what point does it become too much? That you're just like, nope, cut all ties, done with this. Yeah, I mean, that's happened a lot too in the the brewing world. A lot of that stuff's come out. Um, even like over at Community Beer Works, Ethan, who was the main guy who created that brewery, um, basically was asked to step down and step away from the brewery and have no ties because of inappropriate texts and phone calls to like different servers who were working on his staff and it got really bad and when it was brought to certain people's attention they went and they talked to him they went to like the board and they asked him to step away and not be a part of that anymore and you have that in all I mean all the brewing industry Uh, I mean we had that problem with Founders. It was with, like a year um, and a half ago with their was it the Detroit Racist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah, it was the Detroit Tap Room. And um yeah, you have that the it, it they founders seem to continue to get themselves in trouble by saying they were doing the right thing, trying to do the right thing, but still not getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Um now, you know, I think they've basically well, there's new ownership. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. What, what like fifty percent, forty nine percent? But yeah, it's you. You see that all over there, Chris. Like you said, even in the comic book industry, and it feels I don't, it feels bad just being like it happens in every you know workplace or any time like um, environment. It's like that doesn't make it any better, but. It feels like trying to sweep it under the rug by saying that, but at the same time, acknowledging it means like, yeah, we have to take a look at this, and then you have to address it after that. Mm-hmm. It, it sucks uh, that it, it happens, but this is the only way that it can stop is by having all this stuff, you know, come out. Like sometimes seeing the sausage being made, you know, maybe not the right term to use. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I Caitlin and I are watching the documentary on um, Harvey Weinstein and his now. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which is actually really interesting, and they talk to people who lived through his wrath and everything, and it, it's actually really interesting. And also, like when I started dating my wife and we became boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, she was like, "I knew you were a good guy like right away," and I was like oh really how so and she's like you didn't send me dick pics or ask for pictures of my boobs and I was like uh, is that a thing (laughs) I I didn't know and she's like yeah I was like okay (laughs) well can I get them now (laughs) (laughs) sorry Uh, sorry, John you were laughing that was Paul asking you can I get them now (laughs) oh uh, yeah your dick pic I I need I need it on my wall Yeah. Sorry, John, your really next like beer looks like a Bloody Mary. I can't tell if it's just the color of it or what. But, yeah, uh, it's always terrible to see stuff like this happening. But having it come out means that there may be some form of accountability now. And it, 
it seems like this is one of those things that needs to take place from the top down where you, you got a clean house and who knows yeah. what will come out of the, the ashes from that. What's really annoying to me is this investigation went on for two years and over the summer Blizzard fired the guy that, you know, was doing the whole uh, Cosby suite tank. But he was hired there for, he was doing that for how long? Yeah, like, he was one of the main people behind the like stores. the company for like their entire like 20, 30 year like history. So, mm-hmm. and it's something we had, you know, talked about on the show before where you have developers and like the heads of the company who'd been there since the inception stepping away and starting their own development yeah. studios and their own brands. Um, and it makes how, you nervous, right? It, it makes you nervous because it's, again, I, I like the art, not so much the artist, so I don't need to follow any of those people anywhere else. And I mean, if a game comes out from a studio and it looks like a good game, I'm probably going to pick it up. Um, it doesn't matter necessarily who's making it. The only people I know in the video game industry are mostly from World of Warcraft, but then some of the other big names like Cliff Blazinski from uh, like uh, oh my gosh, like the Gears of War games. He did all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, Gabe Newell yeah, yeah, from uh, Warren, Warren Spector, oh. uh, well, Steam, well, Valve, yes. but Steam, uh, mm-hmm. Warren Spector, yeah, from um, Double the, Fine. Uh, what did he do? Double Fine? Uh, no, no, you're thinking of somebody else. But uh, Gabe Newell, I think, is the guy from uh, Ex Machina, and then you're thinking of Tim, Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer, yes, Double, thank you. Double Fine. Yes, thank you. And Monkey Island and uh, like, basically Luke. Luke again, those, those are names that I know, and I can recognize that, but outside those, like, I can't. Uh, you, you know Miyazaki. You know some... Oh, yeah, Shigeru Miyamoto. Miyamoto, yeah. Some of the, like, yeah. classic, classic people. But yeah, that's and that's just because, like, growing up playing video games, you see those names long enough, you're like, oh, yeah, Shigeru Miyamoto, he made basically mm-hmm. everything that Nintendo has. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, respect that. But don't be shitty. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's it is depressing. It is really hard to separate the art from the artist at this point. You know, um, I I, yeah, I took a break from World of Warcraft just because it wasn't clicking with me this this expansion. Like, and I'm like, you know what? I haven't really played it. So back in March, and now I was like, you know what, you know, there's a new patch, maybe I'll dive back in. And I was really considering it, you know, after finishing, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm in Mass Effect 3 now in Legacy Edition, I'm probably going to wrap that up soon. Uh, Maybe I'll jump back into World of Warcraft, and then this news hit, and I'm like, nope. (laughs) Just because I don't want to pay them money. And here's the weird thing is... I own, you know, Blizzard games, like on yeah. good old games. I own the original, like, uh, Orcs vs. Human, the original uh, you know, Warcraft 2, Warcraft 3, Frozen Throne. Before this news broke, they, there was a pre-order for a Pandemic-style uh, Warcraft. Oh, yeah, the Lich King Throne. game. Yeah, yeah, Lich King game. Uh, I love the Blizzard, the, the Blizzard games, but the uh, Matt Leacock-designed um pandemic series of board games and this is based off the pandemic not the pandemic we're living through but there, the pandemic board game yeah. co- cooperative game board game 
and it's based off of that. And I'm like, oh, with these heroes, that'd be great. I like, I'm very excited. I pre-ordered it, and I'm like, man, should I cancel that pre-order? Because, and that's the thing, I haven't, but I feel like I kind of should. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, the guy was already fired. Like, they're cleaning up house. Like, does Blizzard already have that money? how much of my money is going to them. So I'm doing, you know, unfortunately I am doing a lot of waffling, a lot of, uh, you know, like headcanon space, like, well, the board game publisher probably got, they probably paid a licensing fee. So the money's going to them. And the money's already there. And therefore my buying, it doesn't give the blizzard any more money right now. So therefore, you know, and that's kind of gross on my part. Like it is, you know, like the Me Too movement has has been around what for three or four years now, and we're still trying to clean house, and we're still well. And I think that two just years of an investigation speaks still to the to clean depth house. of the problem and just like yeah. how widespread it is that it's not just something you can, you know, fire someone and be done with. Like there, there's levels to it because and, yeah, it's been going on for so long. So it's not just you know the main party responsible. It's you know the I guess you call them like. The enablers, like the people that let it happen, like, and, you know, keep that system running. Yeah, and am I that, am I part of the enabler group with me waffling See, about not canceling a pre-order and still willing to play the, well, I, I already own it. Nobody's getting any money. So if I go back and play the original Warcraft. And that's the, like, that's the big conversation that's happening right now is because do you punish the people that work there that, you know, were violated or the people that did speak up because, you know, the, they still work there. There's people that do enjoy their jobs. They just might not care mm-hmm. for the behind-the-scenes stuff. There's people that might not have even known what was going on. You know, they might just operate as a systems designer or background artist, you know. Yeah, yeah I want to know how to punish the perpetrators and support the victims. And, and it's hard when the company has both of them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so I need I need somebody to tell me, hey, this is how we punish the bad bad people, and this is how you support the good people. And unfortunately, right, there is no good way. There's no demarker. There's no delineation in that. Um, so, yeah, this is a complicated issue. Uh, I think a lot of us fans of media, you know, Unfortunately, we, we all have to look at this and make our choices, like the Harvey Weinstein, like Dogma. Apparently, I watched a video on what culture, I think, on YouTube, which is not a great YouTube channel, but it popped up on my feed. And they were talking about how Dogma's rights are tied up. You can't buy a new DVD out there. There's no DVDs being released, and it's not on streaming because the rights are held up by the Weinstein Corporation. Like, and... Uh, to his credit, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith doesn't want to yeah. deal with that. He's like, yeah, I don't want to give that guy money, so I'm not going to like push to re-release it or get it on streaming right now because, like, screw him. Yeah. Like he'll he's going to make Clark, Clerks three apparently. Yeah. I, yeah, they just had like the first table read of the scripts like last week. So yeah, yeah. yeah. that's cool. But bonus news. Bonus news. But yeah, it's. It's difficult being a, a fan and still like trying to care about people. I wrote down the time twenty three. Yeah. 
Well, we can uh, We can talk about the news that John didn't necessarily want to talk about. Uh, oh yeah, before he sits well, back. Well, now he's going to put on his headphones. Okay. Because- um, we got our first full trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is going to be coming out this year. Uh, trailer does confirm, tr- like only in theaters. This isn't going to be available on any kind of streaming platforms or anything off the bat. Um, without saying anything that's going to spoil it for John. I'm excited because... You guys couldn't talk about this no, we, when I, I was away for 10 minutes with a crying baby? You, you literally sat down right when I was like, oh, well, you know, John's not here, so we might as well talk about this. Um, I was writing down a time to pause it, you know, to take a break for the show. And then you, then we're like, oh, we'll talk about the trailer. It'll be great. Uh, I think this is how you do that kind of original nostalgia requel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everything about this gives me hope and makes me happy to say, like, man, Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies. You know, <laughs> as I I have my beer on my Ray Stans coaster, yeah. like I love Ghostbusters. I want to be a Ghostbuster when I was growing up. Um, this hits all those right notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, all I know. Oh, go ahead, John. I thought you didn't want to talk about it, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say like. The original teaser trailer trailer that we got a year and a half ago did the same thing. And that's why I was like, I don't want any more. They've already got me. I watched that first trailer and I said, okay, when this movie comes out, I'm there. Oh, this one has even more, John. But I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want anything else to John, take your headphones off for a second. Just for a second. I'll give you a thumbs up when we're ready. Um... It was the stinger that got me, Chris. It was the stinger at the very end. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, a guy answers the phone. And it was a red phone. And I'm like, oh, wait, is it going to be Amy Potts? Because Amy Potts is in this trailer. I didn't know Amy Potts was going to be no. in this movie. Uh, even the fact that she, like, Janine's being she like, She was oh. married to Egon. Yeah, she's like, oh, right? your grandfather. Like, so it really makes me feel that. After everything happened, he had to, like, relocate all of, like, their containment grid stuff to that small farm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, things go wrong. And now it's up yeah. to, you know, the next generation to step in. Um, but, yeah, the seeing any pots pop up and then, like, raise occult books at the very end there. Which, yeah. by the way... Yep. Oh, John put his headphones back on, so I'm going to... So don't see. give anything I, away. I can't... It, I heard everything. Did you? Like, I can't... Yeah, these, what? these are really good headphones. I'm, I was blocking the ends of it, and I could still hear everything, so... Andy Potts is in it. I heard it. Yeah. Uh, on my on my denim vest I have, I have a Ray's Occult Books pin right now. Like, <laughs> that, you know, that gave me the, the nerd shivers. Like, I, I can't wait for this movie. So... Those two things were the things that are like, all right, I'm in, I'm good, let's go. Uh, this trailer did. I, do- I didn't mind the girl poster, the Ghostbusters, uh, Melissa McCarthy. That was a fun movie. It just it, was, it wasn't good though, and like I get, yeah, it, I get people not being a fan of it, but it, I don't think it was worth throwing so much scorn and venom at because it just mm-hmm. it wasn't what people wanted it to seats. be. You can't fault it for that though. I th- watched it at the cheap seats. I had a good time. I thought everybody tried to beat the goofy yeah, character. Everyone did one, what they were and, supposed to do in it. Well, and th- unfortunately, there was no straight man in that movie. Yeah, but that is the movie that we learned that Crim's, Chris Hemsworth is funny. Yeah, oh, he's so funny. We probably wouldn't have gotten Thor without that, or Ragnarok, <laughs> I should say. 
right. and he I, and I just watched a documentary where I learned he loves sharks. Mm. Uh, another trailer that we got, and again, this is coming out of man. I remember seeing stuff about this movie like a year ago, and then didn't hear anything. Uh, Dune, which looks great because it looks like Dune except good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, everything that I've seen coming up to this movie. I've liked, and then this, the official trailer, was just uh, so much better than what we'd have before. It still has those voiceover stuff that's from that first one, but how else do you do that with mm-hmm. Paul and everyone else in that? Like, Just Paul. No need Paul Atreides. It's not- they kind of say, like, Paul. <laughs> they say it weird. I'm going from the, the Lynch Movie yeah, here comes the lunch, which is just Agent Cooper from, <laughs> or the Captain from uh, How I Met Your Mother, mm. who plays Paul Atreides in the David Lynch. Oh, it is. Yeah, he's also uh, yeah. Twin Peaks. Yeah, Agents of Shield. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Tim. No. 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 Tom. No. no. You're thinking of uh... tu- Tuber. <laughs> yeah, just keep, saying, just keep on saying. Just keep on saying random name, uh, syllables. I don't know his name, but Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin was way off. Why did I think it was a T name? Because you're thinking of Tim Schafer still. Maybe because once you, you know, start you thinking about Tim Schafer, Specter. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. Uh, it it looks great. Uh, definitely one of the movies that I will be going to see this summer. Traditional sci-fi is going to play back. You know, Apple Plus is going to... I finished up the first season of um, Ted Lasso. I'm sticking around. The second season just started. And then I'm, I know I'm going to be sticking around for Foundation that's coming out uh, in September. So I'm excited for that as well. Some very classic sci-fi here. Yeah. It even has uh, the the... TV show C, which also looks really good. I, I'm, I'm definitely in for trying Apple TV or Apple out because they do have a lot of cool streaming stuff. But uh, did we did we get through all of our uh, we, news? We oh. did not talk about the recent lawsuit from Scarlett Johansson against uh, Disney over the. <laughs> The lost possible earnings. So if you want to talk about that one, I'm going to go get my next beer. Yeah, from what I understand is a lot of times these um, these big blockbuster movies, franchises, they the actors are given like um, like bonuses in their contracts. Hey, if your movie makes grosses X amount, especially during opening weekend, you'll make X amount more, like a percent. It might not be a percentage. Sometimes it's just like, hey, if you hit this... You'll make that. Uh, Warner Brothers had to renegotiate the contract with both Patty Jenkins and Gail Gadot uh, with Wonder Woman 1984. Or is it just Wonder Woman 84? I forget. 84, I believe. Wonder Woman 84, like, to be able to release that directly to HBO Go and theaters. Like, so they went through and renegotiated that contract. Apparently, that did not happen with Scarlett Johansson and Disney. Uh, And... There, uh, Scarlett Johansson and her agent, or her agent's company, have now filed a lawsuit against Disney, saying, "Hey, 
we didn't agree in our contract. We never agreed to have this not be theatrical release only. Um, Disney responded saying that uh, Scarlett Johansson is being what, what did she, what was the word say? I just saw it. Um, is being callous is uh, accused her of callous disregard of the uh, panda- ongoing pandemic, and she was able to make she, she made twenty million dollars from the film uh, from that movie. Yeah, but if I'm promised. $20 million plus the ability to make X amount more. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I will make X amount more. Disney still made money off of releasing it on streaming. Yeah. They made money. They made money that they didn't have to share with movie theaters. Yeah. They made money that they took in. And she, ha- I, I think she has, I mean, again, I, I don't know the law yeah. and contracts and this or that. But in my mind, I think they owe her a portion of that. And I don't know, was it you, Chris, that said, like, they tried contacting them before its release and they just, Marvel and Disney didn't get back to them? Yeah, her representation said that they tried to reach out to Marvel and Disney after it was announced that it was going to be day and date on Disney Plus um, for the, you know, the $29.99 premium fee. Uh, And then that there was no response. Which, again, like, I went to see this movie in the theater, so, you know, she got the money from me, but everybody else that just did it at home, like, she doesn't see anything from that, and that's not fair. And I understand that this is kind of the new way of doing business, but that wasn't the way the business was being done when she originally signed that contract, because, you know, we weren't in a pandemic at that point, and even at you know, the height of everything, it wasn't being put out day and day. Like it was like, Oh, you know, we're just going to keep pushing this date back. We're going to keep pushing this date back until eventually it just kind of hit that wall. Where it's like, Nope, put it out everywhere. I think this is uh that's exactly the point. You're right, Chris. This is the new environment and you got to be in front of it because otherwise you're going to get weird deals. Like with the streaming of music, yeah. music streaming with the artist gets like, point zero zero one cent for every play because nobody set the rule so hey if you're going to do this i'm going to sue because we got to set the rule we got to set a standard for this and if it takes a couple lawsuits then so be it i think it's it's good that it's getting plate you know going to get ironed out does it kind of have to does it suck that it's going to be ironed out in the public with lawsuits you know maybe but i think also lawsuit happens negotiations will now happen in the background hopefully it is public so that where there is a standard like hey this is how much you get on if we do premiere access plus this is how much you know because apparently now emma stone's now looking to sue as well (laughs) from cruella's being released and uh so and she had uh Disney deal f- with a production company to make um, the haunted some, mansion, haunted mansion. No, no, so. uh, no, elevator one. Which is yeah, Tower of Terror. Terror. Tower of Terror. Like she was set to sign on and do more movies with them. I don't and think it stops that. No, but I think this is. I think this it, is maneuvering in order to set the new contracts. Yeah, not just for I, her, but for everybody else going forward. But Paul. You sue your company that you're working for. Right. 
you're gonna, you know, like keep going to work. <laughs> like, obviously, you'd keep going to work, but you think things aren't gonna be uncomfortable? No, well, because it's a lawsuit brought in her name from her, like her agency, her representation. You know, yeah, her, but she's still suing them, right? Over this contract. Yeah. Hey, if I have a, if I email HR saying, hey, I was shorted X amount of hours, am I that worried about, like, keep on working for the company? No, because it'll get strained out. And I'm saying this is kind of like that. I'm saying, yes, it seems like this but big so thing where if, she's suing. If, but, but I think this is. To use that I'm analogy, sorry. though, if your payroll department knows that they're shorting you those hours and they're trying to do it. And then they say, like, well, later on, we're going to give you more, but you're not going to get that pay. Doesn't that put a bad taste in your mouth? It would. But and well, I think that's, up, I that's what John's bringing up, though. Like, yeah, she right. has, like, you, this future deal, yes, but that future deal is, like, we're talking about right now, like, where, no, they're basically stiffing her on what she was kind of promised. And then to use the, like, the loopholes, like, well, you are getting the the box office. We just happened to put it out somewhere else when that wasn't part of the deal. Like part of the deal. Yeah. Like. But Disney owns Darth Vader now and Darth Vader would say Pray don't I have altered this deal. <laughs> Pray that I don't alter it further. No, I yeah, I see what you're both saying, but I think this is I don't know how <laughs> personal it is. You know what I mean? I just noticed like, you're wearing a Taylor Swift shirt. <laughs> <laughs> She 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 wasn't on Spotify because uh, the streaming deal was bad for her. So um, I'm just so I think this isn't all that personal. I think this is like oh this is the next step. Okay, we couldn't get this, so they're just it's it's the course of doing business in 2021. I again, much like you said, John. I don't know like the deals and the contracts, <laughs> but I can see. Disney and Marvel trying to work out something, whether it's just like a flat like payment, like oh well, you know, it's people aren't downloading it now because it's been out like two weeks or whatever. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you like this additional like twenty million or whatever, uh, just so they don't have to keep going on. But it's still shitty, and <laughs> it, it's just. This is the the world we live in now, I guess, like where media is changing, like how it's presented and how it's being consumed. And people are going to have to go through those growing pains right now. So this is something that's included on every other entertainment contract from here on out now, because it's like, well, yeah, I want this much from box office, but then this much from streaming because that didn't exist. Um, but we, I feel like we, there are, have been lessons learned from the music industry with streaming and downloads and Napster. That's thirty years, over thirty years old now. So we've had thirty years of pre, uh, precedent. Streaming, let's say twenty years of precedent on that from the music industry for entertainment, uh, television, DVD sales. You know, the combined have, releasing an old television show on a DVD box set was unheard of. Like you might have had some VHS back in the day, but those pr- were pro- the pricing on that was prohibitive. It was like I remember my dad was looking at at media play, 
this is I'm going to date myself on VHS. He was looking at trying to buy uh, the old Star Trek on VHS tapes because that's all that was out, and that was 120 bucks back in you know the early 90s before DVDs, and then DVDs came out, and suddenly it was very cheap and easy to produce these things on the full seasons of television on on a DVD. But then the music rights <laughs> became a thing. And we're still working out the deals for that because they didn't think that far ahead. So I think this is, I really do believe it's, okay, we're going to have this lawsuit. It's not going to go to court. It's not going to do anything. It's just going to be hammered out in the back uh, room deals. And it's not going to be between Scarlett Johansson and Disney. It's going to be between the, you know, the agency that represents her, you know. And they're going to say, no, this is what we want from our act, you know. This is going to be the deal from now on. This is how much they're going to make off of this, and we'll go forward. And the beers have hit me, and I rambled, and I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, why don't we start uh, rambling about our next beer? Oh, I'm yeah. drinking Rawbox Company's uh, Fuzzy. It's their uh, Peach Double New England IPA. Guys, I can <laughs> have drinking a bunch of double IPAs. Uh, uh, but this, wait. Oh. It's 8.5, not 5.5. There's another squiggle in that. I enjoyed the way you said peach. Dobble box. <laughs> Dobble. Peach Dobble New England IPA. And and what brewery is it from? Uh, it's from Robacher. Robach. <laughs> Robacher. Robach. <laughs> I worked really hard today. Uh, and then I came home and ate some pasta for dinner. With some scallops. Oh, that sounds And delicious. I didn't drink this week until now. Except for, you know, at the, at your dad's party. But, uh, you know, because I was on call this week. And this is my first day not being on call. And this is a delicious beer. That's all I'm saying. 8.5% alcohol volume. The peach comes through in a nice, non-syrupy, non-overly sweet. Just, man, the peach flavor. For, they've actually nailed how to get this to mellowly mellowy to to just ease into that ipa tart you know the tartness and uh the bitterness of the ipa to finish nice peach flavor up front right into the ipa in the back and somebody else talk please i'm self-conscious uh, about being drunk it's okay. I'll, I'll jump in because i'm also drinking a double ipa again this is from cookie can brewing and this is their wicked double ipa uh, it is a New England style, so hence the Wicked. Uh, while I was there, I had another New England style IPA. Uh, that was just a regular New England IPA called Up Yonder. Uh, I have to say, though, Wicked, it's sitting at 8.6% ABV. They wrote 9% on the handwritten tag that they put on my growler. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic. Again, spoilers, I had a glass of this a couple nights ago because you know you got growlers sitting in your fridge you're gonna pop them open when you get home from work and it's it's just simple pop size. them tops pop them tops john uh, <laughs> <laughs> just keeps on writing episode title after episode title um again i opened up the growler a couple days ago i don't even remember what day i went there at i think it was like sunday um it's aged pretty well still pretty effervescent it's just a nice big tropical like floral citrusness to it. Like 
it's got that right amount of like rind bite on the tongue, like that zest. Um, this is one of the best beers I've had from Cook It Can, and hopefully next time I go, they have something comparable to this because this is one of their small batch things. It's not one of their normal offerings, um, but if this is what they can do. Like, yeah, keep them coming, Jono. Hey, I'm drinking from Pressure Drop Brewery, local brewery, and this is their Aunt Gladys Loganberry Sour Ale, 5.5%. And uh, if you're not from the western New York region, you might not know what a Loganberry is, but Aunt Rosie's and Crystal Beach make some darn good Loganberries, right, Paul? Loganberry, yep. Uh Loganberry is like a raspberry, blackberry. <laughs> he said it that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the, Paul, it's become part of our vernacular. <laughs> okay. Loganberry. Um, raspberry, blackberry kind of combo. Um, this really delivers the Loganberry tart with not being too syrupy sweet, but it really delivers those flavors. Uh, this is really nice. People had been in Buffalo had been going crazy for this. Um, they've also we have a distillery who made like a Loganberry vodka and a Loganberry seltzer. I'll try that seltzer. I guess the Loganberry seltzer is really good, but um, or the Loganberry vodka is really good. The seltzer was okay. Somebody gave me a, a sample. See why people in Buffalo are going crazy for this because this is uh, really pretty good. So, in the hometown brewery, hometown taste battle, do you go with the Loganberry Sour Ale or the Loganberry Wit from Resurgence? Um, I mean, different styles. I never had a good version of the Loganberry Wit. Every time it was a little bit different. So, I would say Mm -hmm. definitely this. Um, I I would do this... Um, Blackbird makes a Loganberry cider, which they pretty much nail that flavor as well. I think that's worth a try. And then, uh, I mean, if you can get your hands on an Aunt Rosie's or Crystal Beach, like, go for it. Is Aunt Rosie's Aunt Rosie's still available? Because I feel like anytime I've been up to Buffalo. Everywhere just has the Crystal Beach. Crystal Beach Beach is definitely the dominant one. Right now, it's hard to find either one because of COVID. So they're not really making either one. Um, But if you go to Ted's for a hot dog and fries, you can still get a Loganberry fountain drink there. And they got the the machine where it's like bubbling up on the thing. Yeah, yeah, give me that. That's, That's the only way. To get, I thought that was the only way no, you can get, get a about, Loganberry. No, you can get it out of a it's out of that machine. <laughs> no, uh, I feel like Aunt Rosie's does that, but I feel like I anytime I've had like if I've gone to Taco, not Taco Bell, Mighty Taco, they have the, the fountain machine beach comes out just like the regular fountain. Oh really? Yeah, I've never looked for it. That's because you ordered it I've, once and we mocked. I, the hell I think out of the machine, you, and you've never <laughs> gone back. It's a Loganberry. And why did you say it like that? Because you're from because Texas. Because I read it phonetically. Yep. And that will take us into the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to August 4th, 2021. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm always looking forward to a new number one 
It yeah, sounds. We, we do that a lot. We, we, well, we all do that. Paul, no, not, except, except for me. Paul. Paul doesn't do that. I'm going to read number five. Have you read one through four? No. I'm going to get number five. <laughs> this is where it's going to uh, get good. <laughs> uh, but I'm looking forward to We Don't Kill Spiders. And this is a Viking Age story of a faithless Northman detective who is summoned to a Scandinavian hamlet where a series of murders have occurred. Written by Brian Wood? No. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) Because of the news that we talked about? uh, Written and uh, art by Joseph Schmalach. Schmalache? Schmalache. The art looks kind of fun in it. But I do love a good Viking story, and especially uh, because of Northmen. Uh, oh! But this sounds kind of uh, kind of fun. I like when a idea is kind of creative. A Viking detective? Come on, get out of here! Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think it'll be a fun book. Uh, we will find out. Paul, what do you think Chris is looking forward to? I think he's looking forward to a book that's on his wish list and not a book that came out this week. But I could be wrong. It could be anything. I don't know. I'm still I'm still not 100%. So, Paul, why don't you talk about what you're going to pick? One, two, or three. Give me two. a number. I held up three fingers, two. but I, I said two. That, I, I'm excited for Justice League Infinity, number two, then. Uh, and this is going to lead off of from where we talked about with uh, Justice League Infinity and our look back. It's written by J.M. Diamantius, uh with James Tucker, pencils by Ethan Beavers, and uh, yeah, it's we'll talk about it more in the main topic. Yes, and like I said, I'm kind of on the fence because there's a book I'm kind of interested in, but it kind of makes me ask some questions. And this is, yeah, this is what I'm going to wind up picking. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we have The Gollum Walks Among Us, number one. And this is part of the Tales from the Outerverse line by Mike Mignola. Art by uh, Peter Berting. Um, after being awakened from his long sleep in a shrine in Eastern Europe, Joseph the Gollum aids in a fight against the witches that once again terrorize humanity. Deployed to a small village where a cult has taken root, Joseph encounters not only the witches, but an old enemy who remembers him well and is out for vengeance. Uh, Everything about that solicitation makes me feel like, man, I kind of wish that was a Roger the Homunculus book, because it sounds like some kind of fun, like, BPRD things. And then it's like, well, why is it not a BPRD kind of spinoff thing? And Maybe it's just a case if he's been telling stories in that universe so long, he doesn't want to be beholden to what's come before and, you know, what else is happening, because other creators have kind of touched on that property over the years. But last I knew, he was still writing, like, the Hellboy in, like, the 1940s stuff. John, I don't know if you actually picked that up or if you had just kind of um, thought about it. I'd been picking them up for a while, but they kind of were just felt like they were rehashing and they were like really short stories. Uh, I enjoyed them, but I've been picking up his, um, he's been doing all these world war two witch books 
and I've picked up a couple of them. So, like, when you said witches, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's going to tie into the other witches that we've um, seen. And I think it, one of them, I think they bring a golem to life to fight the witches in... Um, so, it's possible because, again, this is part of the Outerverse yeah. uh, line of books. So, maybe that's a thing. I'm just clicking through his uh, creator credits right now to see if I can see... Anything that looks like it would be 1940s, which is um, nothing popping out at me. But yeah, it's an interesting enough premise that it made me say, like, oh, cool, like, I would check that out. Um, Especially as someone who hasn't read much, like, Hellboy or Mike Mignola stuff recently. Uh, It's a golem fighting against witches. Like, why not? Sounds cool. Yeah, so these are part of the Lady Baltimore books. Gotcha. Um, which I think I read, I read one or two of those. Yeah, so. that's my pick. I don't know if I'm actually going to wind up picking it up. It was something that just kind of like sparked that interest. Um, I enjoyed. I, I I added it to the list for look back. So maybe it's just going to depend on if I see any preview pages or anything like that from it. I might pick it up. We may or may not read it. Uh, that was the thing. Like, when I saw that, because it's a really light week for comics, and I wasn't sure about anything, I was like, well, if John picks this, I can say something else that I'm <laughs> I'm going to be buying because I just buy it, or I can get something from my wish list. So I would have something to talk about, but I would just be fine to talk about something new and different. Because, again, like I said, this is definitely a John book, so I don't blame you for <laughs> saying I'd pick, for it saying up. You pick it up. Because, you know... Mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about it. But you know what I'm not on the fence about? A dramatic reading? A dramatic reading. And now, a dramatic reading from Detective Comics, 996, page 21, panel 9. Congratulations, Bruce. That was a dramatic reading from Detective Comics, 996, page 21, panel 9. Um, so this is one of the rare occasions where I just have a bunch of books downloaded on my phone. And I haven't actually read that issue yet, so I don't know what character that's supposed to be. So maybe you did good. I don't know. Readers or listeners, let us know. Uh, you can see that panel over on our Instagram page. Uh, check it out. Sean, I, I, I think you did good with it, though. Yeah, it was kind of a Bane voice, but not good because I, I haven't done a Bane voice in, like, ten years. When did that movie come out? It's been a while. Yeah. Everything's ten years ago, so, and nothing was ten years ago. Before we head into, like, the main topic, that was from Detective Comics 996. One of the comics that we will be reading on our main topic references back to something that happened to Detective Comics 1039. And I have not read either one of those or any issues in between because I'm that far behind on my Detective Comics readings. Mm. Yep. But also, Batman and Detective has switched hands so many times. Like, who even knows? But like, it's just one of those things where like it was coming out like every other week for a while, and it was a lot just to keep up on. And when you're not reading something that you have to read for the show. Uh, in my defense, I've gotten better about just picking up my books that I like to pick up. It's hard to just pick up like that random, like, oh, Detective Comics 
whatever number because I have like, oh, these three issue number ones that I need to read. John brought mm-hmm. these two issue number ones to the table. Oh, Paul's got number 37 of something that I have to read. The, <laughs> you know, we, we talk about and read a lot of comics. Yeah, but do we enjoy a lot of them? Ah, that's what our main topic's going to be all about. We're going to talk about the books that we have read, and uh, let's see if we enjoyed any of them. But before we talk about all those comic books that we read and will talk about, uh, we got another beer to talk about. And for me, uh, this is my third beer from Cook It Can Brewing, and this is their Freedom Ride, and this is an American stout. Uh, how can you tell it's American and not like a Irish stout? It's not as dry. It's a little bit sweeter, but it's still hitting those nice kind of roasty coffee notes. Um, Off-topic, pre-show, taking a pause. I was talking to John, like, I don't know if it's a milk stout or not, because there's like a nice little bit of sweetness to it. And that was a little bit more apparent when I cracked this growler open the night that I got it home. Having it now that kind of you know, milk stout sweetness is gone, but it's like a, a hint. And then you get that kind of like big coffee note. Um, it's nice. Though. This is, this is a tasty stout. This is definitely something I would probably wind up. I mean, outside of drinking, I could see myself braising some beef in this, making a stew with it and having it come out just like perfect. Uh, nice. John, what you drinking? Yeah, I, I mentioned this brewery earlier about palate fatigue, and I'm drinking an other half IPA. This is called Blue Crab IPA, 6.5%, and enjoyable New England IPA. Uh, tastes great. Juiciness is there. A good drinker. I'd give it probably 3.75 to a 4, just because it is super solid. I would easily drink this again uh it's also nice having a six and a halfer from other half because usually their stuff is eight to ten and maybe you find a seven percenter in there somewhere so it's nice having a lower abv from them i actually had a uh their green dots the other day and it was another low abv and it was like that really nice pale New England, and it just was delicious. Like, it was good that, like, my wife kept coming back around being like, can I have another sip of that? Um, Green Dot's better than this, but this is actually really good on its own. I'm going to have to look out for Green Dot. What are you looking at right now, though? Ooh, what I'm sipping on right now is uh, Tropical camouflage from from uh, Thin Man Brewery. Uh, this is their Indian Pale Ale at 7% alcohol by volume. Yep, 7%. Uh, it's hard to read on the scan because it's all camouflaged. Uh, Chris, you had this on the show and John's had it before. Um, it's a nice easy drinking IPA up front and then all of a sudden it hits you with like a passion fruity kind of flavor at the back end i don't know if i love this right now because of all the everything else i drank like it's big it's really big on flavor it's a, it's making me sip it 
is what it's doing. I've been drinking two very easy drinking beers up until this point, and now I'm hit with this, which is like, ooh, big flavor. So Hold up. So when John came down to visit back in June, this is one of the beers that he had brought with him. Um, I put it at a 3.5 out of 5 on Untapped, mm-hmm. which means I really enjoyed it, because for me, three's bargatory. What? Paul's shaking his head, putting his... 3.5 is a, is a beer you really enjoy. Yeah. No, that's a that's a, a five. Three, or a four. Uh, a four three is like, okay, yeah, this is good. This is a bargatory beer. Three and a half is like, okay, I'm on my way to loving this beer because fours are the beers that I love. And then five is like, have to have it. Like, I see it, I buy it. I might not drink it right away, but it's going to be something that I'm looking forward to. Um, so I really enjoyed this one. Unfortunately, I don't recall too much of it because, again, this was back in June I had this beer. And I'm not good at leaving notes on the beers that I drink on Untapped. I just assign it like a numerical rating. And I know what those numbers mean to me. So if I have to go back and look at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I really I like this one, one too. Um, to me, it's it's very other half. They make very good crushable IPAs. Um, I don't remember anything about this beer besides liking it, because I did give it to Chris. I had a a beer for myself, and Chris was like, oh, I drank that. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll drink it. Because I didn't have any beers that I said, we have to have these on the show. It was just like, I brought down 40 pounds of beer for you. Here, please enjoy. Um, Because also, too, a a lot of us like, oh, hey, I had this. I really liked it. There might be one for you coming down. So you didn't know, and I didn't. I, I, you give somebody beer, you can't say you can't drink this yet. It's whenever you feel like drinking this, you should be able to drink it. Well, even the beer that I sent back with you for you and Paul, when I was like, oh yeah, like we can drink the. Ninja Turtle beers on the show, and it was like I think Paul, you were like you didn't, you haven't had it yet. It's like no, I was, I was yeah. saving it. Like, I do have to say, I things. just moved some beers around the other day, and I was like, what? I got the sugar daddy that I didn't drink. <laughs> I know Chris sent it back for me. <laughs> Gotta I, drink I it. Haven't drank it, and uh, I just I'd forgotten it was in there again. I just I just remembered it's it's better on tap than it is in the can, but you know it's still. <laughs> a long running joke we have. Uh, <laughs> no, but back back to the beer at hand. Um, I do know that I did like this beer because when Paul held up his can, I was like, "Ooh, like Thin Man." And that and Paul's that, about to sneeze again. Yeah, I've been. And I, I have a sneezing fit. I'm going, sorry, guys. Chris has had that beer. Uh and we're going to, I mean, we're just going to wait for Paul to and stop sneezing because he's so, he's starting off the books. <laughs> but oh, something else we I all have is a love of comic oh. books. And something else we've all done is read the books that we're going to be talking about in our main topic, which is our July 2021 look back. And we're actually going to be starting off with one of Paul's books. And Paul, this is Justice League Infinity number one. Yeah, uh, written by uh, J.M. Uh, the and uh, I'm signing into John's books. I don't know how, but 
this continues on from Justice League Unlimited, and we're just jumped right into it. We start off with uh, following Amazo. Which, it's who, the Justice League Amazo, who's like the gold robot, which I forgot about that character design, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I hated that design. I much more prefer like the big dude with like the striped pants and the swimmer's cap on to gold robot. <laughs> and that was everything that I kept thinking every time I'd see Amazo see, in the panel. I... I really, really? like I, this. I don't. Okay. I don't like. I wouldn't say I necessarily like the character design, but I like this character from the show. And it's not a character I thought about till I saw this, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this was that really good like two part episode with the Mazo, who I think doesn't he also have like Lex Luthor's mind too in him? I, I yeah, he's." He's super intelligent. He picks up the like weird, like absorbing gray goo, like alien kind of like construct thing. And all his purpose, he's his whole purpose is like Lex Luthor convinces him to uh, like seek out who he is and witness the end of time. And then in Justice League Unlimited, we see him like hanging out with Doctor Fate, like just like in that like sanctum outside of reality. So here he is like traveling the cosmos again, uh, trying to figure out what his purpose actually is other than witnessing the end of time, like who, who he is. And there's another character that's struggling with the same question. And that's John Jones, uh, the Martian Manhunter who I didn't pick up was this small, uh, Indian woman, until, like, even though the dialogue boxes had that, like, red X and the green background, until, like, she transforms. And I'm like, oh. I, oh, I got it, like, a couple panels before it. And I was like. Uh, I thought I yeah. thought he was the dude. Like, that, that's on me for just assuming his gender. That's just yeah. gender bias right there. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. These two characters are both trying to find themselves. And then, like, he starts, like, listening in accidentally, eavesdropping on the Flash's birthday at, at the Watchtower. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, you know, trying to figure out who you are, you're thinking about your past. But then, granny goodness, it, you know, it, then it just becomes, you know, that cartoon kind of, like, raucous adventure where granny With goodness a bunch of Justice League. And they're, yep. And then also, I'm like, Calabac, uh explodes onto the scene, and they're fighting each other. All heck breaks loose, and then uh, you know, Mister Miracle just finds an escape route. It's a lot of fun. It's whimsical. It's I take it as as it is. I'm not looking for it all that much, and I really enjoyed it. Go ahead, Chris. Uh- so this definitely hits that Justice League, Justice League Unlimited note, where it's con- a comic book continuing that type of story. Like it's not just the Justice League, but you have elongated man, like Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, like Paul said, you know, Mister Miracles there, Big Barda. You have a lot of those characters, and it's kind of hitting those notes for yeah. Oh, <clears throat> John Stewart's there. 
his ex and his new girlfriend are talking and it's like, whoa, do I need to step in here? And they're like, no, we're, we're not talking about you. We get that you think you are. That's one of your downfalls. That's why I'm not with you anymore. Hey, everybody, look out. There's notes in this that kind of fit for what the book is. But the closest thing I think we have to compare this to is the Batman animated series comic book that we read a couple months ago. I don't remember when it came out, which was that Batman animated series look, but updated for today's comics. And this didn't have that updated feel this seems like something i would have pulled out of like a burger king kids meal when they were doing like a crossover with justice league and i got a cool booster gold toy and then there was also like five pages of this comic book in there and then i had to go back the next week to get the elongated man that would have the next five pages there's nothing wrong with this book and i feel bad saying i didn't enjoy it when paul picked it not just for this episode, but number two for his pick for the list next week. And then he got up to <laughs> walk away from the show. Um, it does what it's trying to do well, but it doesn't become anything more than it is. And I kind of wanted more out of this after the Batman. Animated. Yeah, but if you remember, we panned that Batman animated series book. That, but it's, be- it's better I than this one, though. disagree. I think this book is better than that Batman animated. And I think this, it hits those, it hits those, I'm a fan of that. I've been re-watching them. I watched, I think just the other day, maybe two weeks ago, I watched Flash and Substance. I watched, I watched the Mr. Miracle. Favorite episode. Uh... I watched the a question one, a green arrow one, and double date. Yeah, all all those are better episodes than this. Yeah, but this comic I, book I was, have though. I have the ability to. I've watched all of those, maybe twice, three times. Some of them more than that, and now I can pick and choose and go back and pick the ones that I really like. But I don't have any more of those, and this is a thing that I don't mind mm-hmm. reading more of these because it does hit. It hits on Amazo. I was not expecting Amazo to appear in this, and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm happy that Amazo's back in this." Like, it it is a nice continuation <laughs> to that series, and 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 I liked it. There's a continuation because uh, John John uh, Stewart is dating Vixen and not Shiera, and Shiera has feelings about that. Like, there's little hints that if you didn't watch a comic book or didn't watch the uh, cartoon series, maybe you would miss at this version of the Justice League. But it all rings true. Like, even if you didn't watch the cartoon series, I think you could jump in on this and like be okay. I think the amaze. I think because the amaze. If you didn't watch the previous cartoon, the amaze stuff would you would be like, "What oh. the hell's going on?" See, the amaze stuff. I don't stuff know enough about the original amaze. Yeah, the amaze stuff wasn't a hook for me. Like, I just was like, "Oh, they're starting off with amaze," and then they move into John Jones, which is a much better character, and then that's kind of our point of entry character. 
and yeah. I liked all that. Like, had they removed all the Amazo stuff, I I probably would have came out of this book feeling the same way, but I wouldn't have had that moment where I'm like, oh, I I don't like that character design for him. Huh. I just don't know Amazo outside of the cartoon series, apparently. Like, that's Amazo for me. Yeah, I used books. to dominate here in Hero Clicks yeah. with Amazo. He was great. Uh, yeah, he was a unique. Uh, oh, but with that one, uh, down we're going to move into my books next. And guys, I'm going to start us off with Batman Secret Files, and this is the Signal number one, written by Tony Patrick, art by Kristen Duce. Uh Duke Thomas. Yeah, he might not appear in many of the Batman books, but. Apparently, he still exists. Uh, and what we have here is a book with him still, it looks like, uh, trying to earn his wings as part of the Bat family. Uh, mm-hmm. As he was put in his role in uh, Batman Eternal, he's the signal. He is Batman's presence during the day. And I think it's just because nobody's done anything with him since. He's still just kind of languishing in that spot, which I think is a little bit of a detriment to the character because coming out of that Scott Snyder Batman run, I was so hyped up on this dude. And the fact that we do get references back to that run. And then the fact that Duke originally had his appearance in the, we are Robin's book. That was just kind of, you know, tickling that Robin bone that I have in like in the back of my elbow here. I don't think that I, I don't enjoy think that's this, but it, is. It, it has it has to be trying to uh, trying to keep a PG. Uh, I because anytime it gets hit, it, he just like, feels it throughout his own body. It, this book yep. made me feel like yes, I want more of this character, but I if it takes like a one shot random issue like this to make it happen, I don't know if that's the best way for it because I was so excited to read this book and I'm glad that it was this put is, out and it does have this is just references. a one shot yeah but it's leading up oh, to something goodness. else that's going to be happening probably in detective comics because there's a lot going on in this book there's a lot going on in this but it's all i think for people like me that like duke thomas and you're like you know, the fan at the convention that's putting their hand up, like, when are we going to see more Duke Thomas? And then they're like, oh, well, just so you know, coming out, we have the secret files. It's not the best way to have this character out there, but it's something to kind of hold you over until they can do something else with him that that works. Because I have no big issues with this book, but it just wasn't great. Mm-hmm. The villain was well. The really villain's bad. really bad. XP, XP, but it felt so forced when he's written like, "Oh, I'm, yep, I'm this kid. I'm 18. I'm talking to you. You're a boomer, Bruce Wayne. You don't know what we're doing." But then I have to think back, and I, as you know, a manager in my field, I work with people that do talk this way, and while it's not how I interact with, do yes, they? They do. Yes. Really? They do. Oh, I have people that are like 18, 19 years old that will literally speak this way to someone. And they're keeping it a hundo? Yes. 
Uh, and Paul, I, I know you're like, yeah. no, that's not true. Like, seriously. It, and I think that's part of that disconnect because reading this as a comic book fan and an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is just seems so pandering. But then I can go to work tomorrow and there's going to be someone that I'm interacting with that will speak this way. And I just kind of <laughs> have to keep it to myself. I. Okay. We read a signal book last. Uh, it was it was a three part miniseries, uh, Batman and the Signal. We read the first part of it, and I was like, "Yeah, I I liked it because I like Duke Thomas." I never picked up the next two parts because they have never gone on sale anything less than the three ninety nine that they originally Ooh. sold. And for. we read that. I I wasn't a fan then. I think I liked it. A li- I probably liked it a little more than this. I didn't like him beating. Cassandra Kane. Yeah, that was kind of... That seemed like one of those things that they're just putting in there to be like, no, this character matters because, he, yeah, look. Yeah, he can... He, he can be Cass, but they're still friends. Like, yeah, tomorrow. which I didn't like that. And, and then he's like, well, I have all these powers. And I'm like, when did he get all... Did he always have these powers? When did... I? Yeah, because of meta. He, he did, but it's not something that you necessarily, like think of and go back to when you think of like the and then he's got multiple powers this bigger story of like this shopping mall for villains that's called the white market instead of the black market and I'm like no that's legitimately what the black market is like that that's definition and of it black just, market there is just <laughs> like, uh, and then, like he he tosses Cassandra Kane, and then he gets his his ass handed to him in the park. Like I was like, no, he can't get beat by them. He just beat the greatest fighter ever. Like uh, this book didn't know they didn't know what to do with this character. And then, like the first time he kind of talks to Batman, I'm like, oh, that's kind of an, a good in like. I liked that interaction between the two of them. But then at the end of the book, the interaction between those characters, I thought, was stupid. And then when he's like, but uh, shuffles papers, pats him on the desk, I'm looking forward to what you do tomorrow. And I was like, oh, boy, this is not what I like. No, I, I will not no. defend this book any more than I said as the positives of it because I'm glad it came out because it's more of a character that I like. It just it's not the best I, version of that. I would like no. to like this character. I think it's an interesting idea for a character, but I don't think I've had anything written with this character that I've really liked well I and I I think that's where this kind of stumbles because it does hit on those notes because again spinning out of the We Are Robin Maxi series that came out this is where we get Duke and the antagonist in this issue like it's strong on that like we're seeing his parents that were dosed with the Joker toxin and he's 
they're still suffering from it. He wants to make them better. We got all of that from the Scott Snyder Batman stuff. Like, there's a good groundwork for him. It's just nobody's ever found out how to build off of that foundation. But you can see people mm-hmm. haven't forgotten about it, and they're trying to make it work. So I applaud them for that. But it's just not working right. Because as soon as they made mention, I was like, oh, yeah, like, like you were Robin. So I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, like. I'm into this book. And then I'm like, no, I'm not into this book. But I want to be. Paul? I was just annoyed, like, the whole time. Like, especially with the XP guy and everything. Maybe I I work with some younger people. Like, they're a little bit younger than me, but we're, you know, I guess blue-collar working the trades we're not uh you know, like service industry i guess i don't know if there's a difference there i'm not trying to be classist or anything i don't know but nobody talks like that kid <laughs> no but you're saying they do so maybe maybe it rings true but i was just annoyed i'm like oh this is an older guy trying to write a younger kid and it's and just like the- throwing every catchphrase he's ever heard at ever heard and just putting it in the dialogue. Some of it does feel that way, but same thing if I was, you know, a writer in my late thirties, maybe to early forties, that's just kind of the parlance of our time. So I can't fault it. Um, and I do have some faults with our next book, but not as many as I had with, uh, signal, but this is going to be the other Batman secret files, Huntress number one. Uh, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by David Lapham. And this is Helena Bertinelli, you know, doing what a huntress does, but not in the way that I want to see it. And by that, I mean, she's been infected with like a weird brain parasite that she's yeah. seeing and is, you know, interacting with her and other brain parasites. And this isn't where I like my Batman books to be. When I think Batman, I think much more like grounded vigilantism, like crime families, like, you know, a weird supervillain here and there that use like bizarre technology or riddles, that kind of thing. As soon as you start putting in brain parasites, I'm kind of like, that's that takes me a little bit further out of it. Because this story could work with out all of that. You just need to tie it into like a crime family or someone imposing their will or profiting off of other people. And then you can have Huntress go after them. And then you have an engaging yeah. story. Yep, but they need to have her fight Batman at the end. Which I'm okay with her always being at odds with Batman because yes, their wants and desires line up, but it's their methods that differ. You- Rain parasites don't need to be a part of that equation. Especially when the brain parasites are so obvious where it's like green gunk pouring out of the person's eyes and like spew coming out of their mouth. what's wrong with like, you? Chop, chop, chop with an axe. <laughs> green bulging out of my eyes. <laughs> the, her having the connection and seeing them and then hunting them down and like you said, Chris, it just doesn't 
fit with a Huntress book. And I w- so yeah. this reminded me of a Batman mini crossover that happened a couple years ago. It was like the Night of the Monsters, where a bunch of people in Gotham had been infected with a disease that turned them into like werewolves and vampires and stuff. And it was crossing throughout all the Bat Family books. And I stopped buying everything during that because I'm like, I don't want this out of my Bat Family stuff. Like this is just kind of dumb it doesn't feel right if this was in the pages of a superman book i'd be a little bit more forgiving because it kind of fits in with like that weird meta-humanness but it when you put it into a batman book it seems so forced and even though this isn't a batman book yeah it's a bat family book so it kind of has to adhere to those rules and it's it kind of misfires i think and much like i do with the signal I like the fact that someone's using these characters, and I think the characters themselves are well-written in both of these, Huntress and Signal, but they're just not good enough stories to make me justify being a fan of either one of them. Two, uh, Probably more than two things, but I didn't like... I didn't like... This is... Yep, Paul? Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm just that, counting. That, that is also the motion of, I have something to things. say. Uh, I know. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like that this was like, oh, this is a story going on, remember, from Detective Comics. It just happened. So this is a continuation of this, but her side of what's going on. I didn't like that. I also don't know what version of the Huntress we got here is it the same huntress that we saw when dick grayson was a agent of spiral is it i think i think so but that's kind of my complaint about dc currently because i because at the same time that that book was coming out we had that power girl and huntress book where they were from earth 2 and it was superman's cousin and the daughter of catwoman and batman like like that, it, I just don't know who who she, I don't know who she is, and this book doesn't tell me who she is. You don't have that moment of my father was killed and blah blah blah. Like, yeah. So it, I, I, me, I don't yeah. know. And like Chris said, it's not the it's not the story that the hunters belongs to. She needs to be going against a crime family, protecting someone. Like, there's so many other stories. And then the trope of, I can see his victim, and I've controlled it. I'm meditating on top of the gargoyle, on top of the building. And now I know where he is. I'm going to go stop the crime. Like, I was holding up a finger, not as like a... Counting for John, but like, hey, no, for for me, the Huntress isn't ever going to stop and meditate and think about things. It's all the action. Like, your action <laughs> demands reaction, and here I am to pay off on that. Yeah. She's not the detective. She's not part of the Bat family as the person that's, cog- you know, she's reactionary, not... She's- 
She's the uh, hammer. Not getting She's the hammer that situation. hits the nail. Like right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. So now she has this villain that she can kind of precog her way into, like stopping. I don't know if I hate it, but I kind of wish it was more of a like, oh, these are the schemes, stratagems, flim flams, uh, bamboozles that the mob is running. I have their book. I have their like their their black book. You know the book that their we the ledger notes of the actual the, the ledger that they don't share with the feds. You know, the the white ledger is the one that they actually, you know, put their taxes on and all that jazz. She has the black ledger that she now is, like, tracing down all these bad guys and, like, cracking down on them. I would like that. Weird alien things that are popping out of people's faces? This little weird. Wouldn't it be weird out of yeah Green Lantern? Like, green- yeah, perfect. But the Huntress? A just, animal man, animal man just book, weird. a swamp thing book, a Constantine book. Yep. Mm-hmm. Batman showcase Huntress, Batman showcase the signal. I want a self-contained book that's not leading to something else. I want I just want a really good Huntress book. I want something that tells me, to me, this book should have been telling me who this yeah. character is in this world, not tying into an ongoing big story yeah. arc. This should be telling me why I should care about this character when it show, when he, she shows up or he shows up in a Batman book. Is it because it's called Secret Files? Because normally, from DC, from the time that I've been reading DC which is now, what, 20 years? Um, Secret Files usually meant Secret Files Origins. Yeah. Colon book. Colon character. So now we got these, like, I feel like I'm dropped in the middle of a story arc. We read We Are Robin. I I have felt, yeah, I have read some Signal stuff before, but this felt like the middle of an arc for the Signal. This issue for the Huntress felt like a tie-in because there were editor notes and everything else to a tie-in of an event that has already wrapped up, and now we're just seeing her view of it. And I'm like, this is a I book don't care about to stuff. sell other books. This is the book that says, "Oh, you saw this happen to her in Bat in Detective Comics," and then when you're reading Detective Comics number two, it's going to say, "Remember, this happened in." Huntress showcase and then you're like oh do I have to read that oh it's just this book is just trying to sell other books and I'm pissed about it yeah because it should be a free comic book day book or a like 99 cent like secret origin back like what they used to do back in the day Chris I'm sorry because Speaking about books to sell other books, uh, my <laughs> last book for the month is Skybound, <laughs> Skybound X, number one. A.K.A. Vertigo First yeah. Taste. Uh, Our first bite, or whatever. This was, was one of... They did all of that, because they did multiple yeah. uh, Vertigo, like, first blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but yeah, we just celebrated the 10th anniversary of the Skybound imprint from Image Comics. And Skybound was started by Robert Kirkman. You may know him as the creator of The Walking Dead and Invincible and Battle Pope if you're John. <laughs> Nobody else. Um, but what we have here is a monthly anthology series that's going to be telling the ongoing story of Rick Grimes 2000. And then there's going to be backup issues or backup stories in the issue to kind of feed into or draw off of other image comics. So it might be kind of like an in-between, like that kind of 0.5 issue or setting up something else that will be coming. And we get a little bit of all of that with number one here. Um, I like the fact that image is putting out something of an anthology series and issue number one here, because this is all a kind of, well, not all, most of this is tying into other stuff that I like. Because with this one, we get the Rick Grimes 2000 Chapter 1, which is playing off of... Uh, it was Walking Dead number 75, I think, which was kind of like a breakaway issue where it was kind of an alternate reality where uh, Rick wakes up in a hospital bed, but it turns out aliens have invaded Earth, and they're the ones that started the zombie plague. And now he has to continue on with it. Again, that was just like a quick aside book, but now they're running with it as like a... This is like a new multiversal timeline. Uh, we get an Ultra Mega story. We talked about Ultra Mega number one on the last train. Uh, last look back, sorry. Um, a Manifest Destiny story, which I we read, read issue one. Into this. I, Did we? I picked it I up because it sounded creative. And, and we. That's fine. None That's of us like it. I don't it. remember it. And it has nothing to do with these birds. Uh, and then. No, nothing at all. And then uh, a Clementine story, and Clementine is the character from the Telltale Walking Dead video games that kind of became, you know, a juggernaut in their own right. So all those stories in one book, I think this was $5, I think for the value, if this is a corner of comic books that you're interested in, this is a really good value. I did not pick up number two. I've looked at the next, like, following issues, and there's nothing in there that kind of sparks me to pick up those ones. So I will not continue picking it up. And I think at that point, too, there's, as we progress through and put out more issues of this, since I haven't bought, you know, issues two through six or seven, I don't feel the draw to pick up issue number eight because now at that point I've missed five issues of the Rick Grimes 2000 story so do I want to pick it up for some random backup story for another image comic that I kind of have a semblance ooh, 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 of Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter no you don't did I answer it right? <laughs> you, you, you did because um, I think as a novelty this is fine, Like this is cool if you're someone that reads image comics exclusively and this is all stuff that's on your radar you're probably going to get something else out of this that me who doesn't read this and stop reading Walking Dead at issue number like 83 isn't going to have for me the big draw for this was the fact that it was Ultra Mega which I enjoyed and then uh, Robert Kirkman Ryan Adley's story because I loved Invincible and they were telling like this weird sidebar uh, Walking Dead story. I, I, 
I yeah, have to say, out of everything in this, I enjoyed the Clementine book the most. And I didn't even know that was a tie-in to yeah. the Telltale games. Like, it actually was like, oh, I wouldn't mind picking up a, the first trade of this if they're like Clementine's back in yeah. 2022. I was like, oh, I might pick up one of her trades and, and check it out because I liked the look of the book. I liked the feel of the book. And I'd like to see maybe why this character was leaving this place that was safe and that she's going to move on. And, and what is her connection with that boy? Like, that was the book that actually got me going like, oh, I had to read all that other stuff to get to this. And I, I liked that story. Well, now the real question is, now that you know it's a video game, no. will you play I don't have to- the video like, game? No, because I don't have time to play that consecutively and remember what's going on. I have I have a child. It's a it's a tall tale choose your own adventure video game. Which yeah, takes, each episode is like twenty I, minutes. I don't I don't I don't yeah. I don't have that. You still want to do it? I I okay. don't have that time. Hey, that's fine. Hey, that's fine. I, I, I had to ask, though. I wanted to ask because uh, I was interested. I, I will say the Clementine part of this was really interesting because I did play the full first Walking Dead episodic game. I think I only got the first chapter of the sequel one. Um, but the whole crux of the first one is you're playing as a character who basically finds this little girl and then it's up to you to keep her safe throughout it, but then it culminizes in her having to shoot you because you've been bitten up by a zombie, and then the second volume of the game is her playing as herself, and then you have to survive in the Walking Dead zombie apocalypse universe. Um, mm-hmm. The first part was gut-wrenching. It was so well done. That was the first... Uh, Telltale game that I actually purchased and played. Um, so I'm glad they're bringing this character into the comics like proper because it is such a touchstone for the Walking Dead universe because people love that story. Yeah. Uh, before we get into my picks for the list, did we want to talk about uh, another beer? I'm still working on my um, third. You can talk about yours because I poured myself more of the uh, American Ride, so I'm going to finish uh, this. So from Oscar Blues, I I am uh, partaking Ooh. in their Death by series, and this is Death by Flapjacks. This is an ale with maple syrup, vanilla, lemon peel, nutmeg, lactose, and natural flavors. This is six and a half percent, um, and this is a mapley pancake-y beer. Um, the maple is really nice on that. Lemon peel, the nutmeg, the lactose, I don't really get on it. Well, that's because they weren't the natural flavors. But this definitely... There's... I, that made me smile, Paul. I'm sorry. I liked it. I was focusing on the beer I was tasting. I'm sorry. Um, but this tastes yeah, no, like no, that's fine. you liquefied maple-y pancakes. Like, it, it really does nail that. 
we've had some of those in the past where you're like, oh yeah, that's that tastes like a pancake. And um, this does it. Usually the Oscar Blues Death by Series, Death by Coconut, is fantastic. Um, they did, did Death by King Cake, and I think they did another one. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, this nails it. And speaking of... King Cake. Mardi Gras, that's right. From Mardi Gras. And um, my first pick is going to be Mouse Guard, the Owlin caregiver number one Ooh, I, I could open up John's digital copy of this or mm. I could just pick up my physical one because this is actually a book that I did go to the comic book store and buy because I I wanted to support uh, David Peterson and uh, yeah this is one I would and this is also one we were at a bookstore buying books for Grayson uh, we were at a bookstore it was before we met you for dinner Paul uh we were there, and oh, nice. I grabbed a trade, brought it over, showed it to Caitlin, flipped through it, showed her the pictures, explained what it was, and was like, I would like to buy these and read these to my son when he gets a little older. Um, because just like just like Chris, I love P- uh, David Peterson's Mouse Guard books. So when I saw a new one was coming out, I had to pick <laughs> it up. And this is... Um, like a lot of his books, an anthology book. Um, you have three tales in this. The first being uh, the tale of the the owl hen caregiver, um, which just briefly kind of tells the story of a a mouse who is the guard of an owl and takes care of him, kind of his servant. And then his servant gets ill, and the owl then takes care of him. Um, up into his his death, and it it's bizarrely becomes a story about loss and duty that kind mm-hmm. of hit me in a way that again. So this is about uh, Moscow before a story about cartoon mice shouldn't be able to do. Uh, right, Paul. Paul, I have a feeling you didn't like it. It's really emotional. Well, it's mouse guard, baby. Yeah, uh, I, I, I opened up the first page and I'm like, oh, this is so cute. I'm gonna, like, I want to read this to my nephews. This is gonna be great. And then I'm like three panels in, and I'm like, no, no child should read this. This is all about dealing with the. The, the the ramifications of having to take care for it elder for an elderly parent. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, loss is gonna is... happen, but you do it because you need to do it because someone's gonna have to do it for you at some point. Exactly. It's it feels like the artist slash writer slash you know, the artist writers writing as an art, um is dealing with uh, having to, to care for parents at their end of life. And it's... That's tough. Like, I didn't want to think about my parents dying. I didn't want to think about having to take care of my parents. Like, especially in a book about mice <laughs> that are guarding things with swords. <laughs> like, but it, it was good. It was well done. It was just like, I had to readjust what I was yeah, reading. I You've. This is probably your first. Is this your first mouse guard? 
Mascard Paul, nineteen. It's like yes, whatever like it was, yeah. or fifteen eighty two. Yeah, uh-huh. some weird year. I read that. I think the art is well done. I think it's really, I think it's great storytelling. I, I it hits you emotionally. It's but it's definitely not something you want to share with a kid. So I don't understand why John would buy. I, I it's not like I think kid. Older kid, I think you got to like, pick and choose your stories. But also, right? I yeah, think Bone. Well, would I plan be on a reading. Plan on reading Bone with the kid. Oh, Bone's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Bone's a lot of fun. Like it's yeah. got jokes in it. Like it's mm-hmm. very Sunday comics. Mm-hmm. Like oh, the page ends. You have some sort of. The guy's name is Phone Bone. Oh, Smiley Bone. So good. There's a joke on each page because like if you're reading it as like a comic strip in the paper, that'd be like haha. And then, you know, next day you get, like, another, like, mini-story. There's a joke in it. Like, it, Bone straddles that line so well between, like, comic book and then, like, what it kind of evolved out of, which was, like, just serialized comic storytelling. I, my parents never shied away talking about death to me. And I don't feel like I'd have a problem talking about death to my son. It's not like a taboo thing. I think it's a it's human. <laughs> Everybody's gonna die. And I I don't feel like that story would be something I wouldn't share with my kid. I mean you're gonna read frickin' Ponsel and Gretel? I mean they throw an old lady in a fucking fire and burn her to death, like yeah, yeah, because she she was an evil witch. She just but did. that that that's okay. She had a natural natural. She was trying to give the kids diabetes, saying that you should <laughs> understand this and take care of somebody at, as their pet. You know, I think that's something that you. Should, I think that's something you should teach them. But like Paul was, Paul was saying, like depending on your comfort level with presenting that to a child like whether it's your kid or a niece or nephew i think uh the tale of piper the listener is probably like my no john's laughing because like my segue but like i think this is like my favorite story in like the three that we have because it's a story of a mouse that's subjecting herself to other cultures and trying to learn the way that they communicate so then she could communicate back because you know, it's important to be able to talk to your neighbors and it doesn't like such an interesting kind of fun way where it's like, Oh, now she's, she's talking to the moles, which is pretty close to what like mice speak. So she's able to get to that and like through the birds to the bugs. Like this is a, a fun. Couldn't talk to them. Fish. No, though. fish you just can't do it. Uh, but this is a fun, interesting story about, you know, learning and appreciating other cultures, which I think is a great message to have. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was great. I love the artwork of, like, the ram and then seeing, like, the the ram drawn on the page of the mm-hmm. the the mouse boy reading it and then seeing Piper speak to the to the ram like i really that like that but i really liked the story of bastion the wild wolf like i thought that was a 
a cool, cool story. Um, uh, one of my that was the Bloody Mary of the <laughs> of the uh, Mouse so Guard one universe. of my favorite things about the Mouse Guard universe is when they have those like super badass mice that wear armor or carry like the black axe. That's like <laughs> no, you don't fuck with me, <laughs> like. Yeah, and this is just like a an old scarred big sword carrying mouse who's on the border of he lives yeah, he on the border in a wolf skeleton. He's made his home on the border when these three young mice try to cross the border cuz they just want to walk a little bit and see what's going on. And he tells the story of a young mouse that went there who didn't have a lot of friends but had a grasshopper, a moth, and um, a beetle. It's like a beetle or something. That were his only friends. And when he crossed over, a wolf attacked. And then the spirit of a badass axe-wielding mouse came, killed the wolf. But in all of the commotion, his beetle friends died. And his his insect friends died. And then that little mouse who he he thought he he had a bow and thorn arrows, thought he could do it, but then ends up becoming Bastion the White Wolf, who he went, became a soldier, went to protect people because he realized that he was not equipped to do that. And now he tries to keep protect and keep people from crossing the thing. I thought that was a great story. I thought it, it I love the color palette that the story is in those orange and reds like I just thought the story was great. I I enjoyed the whole book. Like I forgot how much I I enjoyed Mouse Guard and it makes me want to go back. I have a bunch digitally downloaded but like we went to a bookstore and I went to the comic section and found the trade and it was like, I want to start collecting all the trades. Oh, is, is there a first trade that you have on Dude, your I got a, I got a reader couple there? on here? I'd have to. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that oh, first trade? Maybe we should do for the trading policy. Maybe that's what I should do. Are you trying to force your pick on Paul no, Paul's, Paul's forcing the pick because he doesn't have a pick. <laughs> no, no, no. He picked since See how that works? Like, John picked oh, my okay. book. So now I'm going to pick John's book for my trade. Boom. Full circle. Wow. Just like the mouse guard, I'm protecting those young young uh, mice just like the spirit protected that other mouse. But not really because he was just there to hunt and kill. Uh, I, I'm glad that this came out. Dust comes for us all. If we are all going to die, let's just die sooner than uh, I, I love me some mouse, mouse guard. Uh, when I went to the comic book store to pick this up, and I put my sack down on the counter, the cashier was like, "Yes, mouse guard." I was like, "Yeah, like I'm, I'm so glad it's back. Like it's just so well done." And that day, coming home and like sitting down on my couch with like a beer and like cracking this open. It was one of those moments that makes you happy to be a comic book fan because you're like, yeah, this medium can tell like such great stories. And 
Mouse Guard is such a prime example of that. Like it's it's just so I, good. I thought about because I have a comic book shop not too far from my house, and I thought about stopping in there twice. And the one time I drove by, the place was closed. And then the second time I drove by, I was like, "We're gonna be moving soon." I buy a physical copy. It's just going to get shoved somewhere. It it won't have the oomph, the presentation that I'd want to have this physical copy. Mm-hmm. And I'd already made the decision that I'm going to be buying these in trades to have on my kid's bookshelf. Whether he likes it or not, he's going to have them. Uh, to get this book, I walked back past my bookcase and I had to pull it off of the shelf because it's sitting next to, like, my two hardcovers that I have. Uh, Yeah, and so let's go into Amazing Fantasy number one, and this is written by... uh, Comixology is loading for me. Uh, This is written and drawn by uh, Carrie Andrews, and this is a Captain America story, a Black... Widow story and a Spider-Man story, and uh, Captain America fighting in World War II. He's on a battleship. The battleships are sunk. He's trying mm-hmm. to save all the soldiers, and then he wakes up on an island, clothes tattered, long hair, big bushy beard, a great big bushy beard. <laughs> Hot fuzz. <laughs> Enter this note. Uh, See Hot Fuzz for that reference. And he's on this mystical island. A lion lands with wings, and then there's a dragon. And he throws his he throws his shield. He hits the dragon. Then he goes off to find his shield. Finds an elvish woman and her boy. Protects him from goblins. Then you have the Black Widow story, where she's uh, a young girl. She's was given this thing that she could escape and then it was all a ruse to see how where her loyalties lie and then she disappears into the woods with a um what's the hat uh centaur and then you have a spider-man where he's fighting the mr tumnus no that's not a mr centaur. tumnus no he, yeah. he was a fawn he was he was a satyr and then you have a spider-man book where he um fighting the green goblin he gets a pumpkin bomb explode on him and then he's in a pot being cooked by a bunch of frogmen and then a bunch of bird dudes show up and they semi rescue him and i won't if you haven't read this book i won't i yeah you I have spoiled now the end of it, <laughs> because john explained it all this book it's lost and they're all dead. Yeah, you, you it's know. a mystical island. Uh, Uncle, ben, Uncle Ben's at the end. I'm so glad you're here. Now our story <laughs> can start. Uh, interesting enough, I liked the three different kind of art styles that Carrie Andrews does in this book. I think this is great as a one shot. I don't think I'd pick up the second issue, but I did enjoy this book. Because even the Captain America story him in World War Two, and then him on the island, two different kind of art, two different art. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I had I had fun with this book, but I was expecting I don't know something a little more sword and sorcery out of it. I don't, I, and that's my fault for putting something on this book. I, but that cover, that cover yeah, deliver like that there. cover makes you say this book's going to be sword and sorcery. It. I skipped this book when he told us to read it because I'm like. That doesn't look like a Marvel book. That doesn't look like it's a Captain America book. Until right before the show where I just skimmed through it and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what's happening. I don't like it. We also didn't I don't read, read it. Um, I, <laughs> I skimmed through it quickly. I really enjoyed this book. And I think a lot of that is just due to the fact that Carrie Andrews is just like a maestro when it comes to comic book writing and art because it's one person doing all the the scripting and the artwork for this book, but they all still feel so distinct and different, even though they're all dealing with basically the same thing. It's a character in their formative years coming into some sort of like enemy or altercation that ultimately... Plot device. Like, yeah, plot device. But ultimately kills them, and now they're in this weird fantasy realm where they're alive again, and they have another mission. And all those art styles are so distinct and different. And I don't know if there's another comic book artist that you could say did one issue where they have like four different art styles that all feel so distinct that, you know, flipping to the next page, you're like, Okay, now I'm back to that 1960s Spider-Man. Oh, now I'm back to like that 1980s Black Widow. It all works so well. And John, if you don't pick up more of this, I'm going to because I really dug this. And going through this made me want to go back and reread uh, his Iron Fist, The Living Weapon miniseries that he did because he's He's just too good. I, I mean, thumbing through this book, it's just... You would say... Sorry, it was a loud car. Sorry. Oh. It was a motorcycle or something. I don't the, know what it was. The fact that the art just keeps changing, and it's all the same guy, it, it is awe-inspiring that this guy's got that much talent that he can do that. Um, it It... I don't want to knock this book. It is really good. I think I had envisioned something different with this book, and I said that. And I said that, like, that's my fault, not this book's fault. But like thumbing through it again, it's just like, yeah, this. It really was really cool what they did. I think if you picked up issue two, Chris, because this book was four ninety nine. If issue two. That's. I'm, I'm sorry. You say that like it's a lot, and it is. Like five dollars for a comic book is a lot, but mm-hmm. we're kind of at that point I, now where, if I'm picking up, you know, issue number four, I think of Green Lantern, it's three ninety nine. Like comics yeah. are starting to creep up now. Like it's just kind of a sign of the times. But I think this book is worth that dollar investment because it looks so good and 
again, it has no weight on anything that's happening or going to happen in the Marvel Universe. The only thing that this impacts is the amazing fantasy, like, five-issue series. But it was well done enough that I'm like, yeah, like, sign me up. I'm in. This was one of my favorite books. Uh, This this would definitely be towards my top. But I... I think I bought, at least for the list, one, two, three, four, five books. And four out of those five books were four ninety nine, and I'm surprised. Hmm. I'm saying that because I don't remember paying four ninety nine for Mouse Guard. I was just there. I just clicked the button and bought it. Like Chris, what? Mm-hmm. It was twenty six dollars and ninety nine cents. See four ninety nine. See it on the See, back that, of the. That's issue. a four ninety nine book that I have no problem paying that for amazing fantasy number one Mm -hmm. i would pay that but if i now have to buy all my books at this premium price and it is it is like you said it is a lot this might be the Mm -hmm. thing that i pick up and trade later on where it's cheaper but amazing fantasies i can also understand paying 4.99 because you are getting a tour de force from from Carrie Andrews. You really are, but the fact that I have to buy all my other books at a premium price now, it's offsetting that. Like, am I going to do it? Like, and that's kind of the cost of being a comic book fan right now. Even um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Last Ronin, like number four or five, I. I can't remember what it is. I just put it on the uh, the show notes stock for like when it comes out. Number four. I just looked at it in September. Those issues are like seven ninety nine each. Like it's a lot, but am I enjoying it enough to like keep picking it up? Yeah, I I am. Even though number three wasn't my favorite issue for initials last Ronin, I'm still interested enough that. I want to see what happens next. I want to see where it goes. And if that means I don't pick up Detective Comics 997, because, you know, I can wait on that because I've missed, like, the last 50 issues of it, that's okay. And that's kind of how I'm going into comic book reading now. Like, I... No, I don't have to buy everything the week that it comes out. If I go and buy it three months later because now it's a dollar ninety-nine. Okay, like I'm getting that book half off. That's more likely to make me sit down and read that entire arc because I'm getting a whole story for eight dollars. I don't have to spend twelve dollars for it. Like, yeah, four dollars isn't a lot, but serialized storytelling it adds up over time. Yeah. Uh, and my next book is Moon Knight number one. This is uh, written by Jed McKay and art by Alessandro Capasino. And um, cover art by Steve McNiven. Uh, and, hey. Uh, yeah, a little, because I saw Steve McNiven cover, and I was like, oh, cool. And then we get into the issue, and I'm like, oh, that's not, not Steve McNiven. But it still looks good. It does good. look good. Uh, Alessandro Capacino. 
I, I don't want to call him cappuccino because I just feel like that's wrong. But it, it look it looks like cappuccino. <laughs> uh, but this is the story of Mister Knight, your Moon Knight, who has created a midnight mission where he kind of has a mission in the city where he protects it. Hell's Kitchen. Hell's and Kitchen. He's protecting the city, and then there's some different villains. Different villains. Crime Alley. You're just going to keep shouting stuff out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have some different things that pop up. He's fighting vampires. He's fighting vermin. And then there's going to be this new over... Or there's going to... Who knows if it's new, but there's going to be this overarching enemy plus a the left fist of uh, Kanchu. Thank you. Kanchu. I can never say it right. Kahloon. Um, Kanchu. Kaloon? No, Iron that's Fist is city. Um, that's Iron Fist. City. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but I, I'm a Moon Knight fan. I enjoyed this book. I like this kind of version of Moon Knight where he's in the suit. It's very... Um, I think one of my favorite runs is the Warren Ellis run where he's driving around in a limo. He's wearing the suit. He has that white and black suit versus the all-white suit. I like this Moon Knight where he's like, yeah, I am fucking nuts, but I have this job to do. And uh, I like Moon Knight. That's all I'm going to say. Paul, do you have thoughts? Well, why don't we meet the doctor? And he's like, oh, you're a fist of... Kashi. Kanchu. Oh, not Kaloon. Kanchu. Not the fist of Kanchu. I was like, oh, he's the other fist, right? So it, it felt a little telegraphed. It felt a little bit like we knew where we were going to start. But it was a lot more fun than I've had reading a Moon Knight book in the past two other Moon Knight books that we have read for this show. Like, uh, at least it's not him, like, deciding that he has multiple personality disorder and he's all the Avengers, or he is escaping an asylum, but maybe it isn't an asylum, but maybe it's an asylum on the moon! Like, this feels more grounded, which I'm happy about. Uh, he's, like, taking over his little section, a.k.a. The Mission, a.k.a. Hell's Kitchen, a.k.a. <laughs> Crime Alley. The Slums, a.k.a. Crime Alley, a.k.a. Like, street-level character with their, like, little, what, three-block? Like, how big of a territory is it? He, he put up his tags. Go after it, bud. Um... And he has, like, a little church that he doesn't have services for. He just, like... No, you walk in and you say, like, hey, I got this thing happening. And he's like, yep, I'm going to punch that. <laughs> yep. Hey, my knee's been acting uh, up. I, it, I'm going to punch that fun you. Move, that fun scene, too, with 8-Ball where he's like, uh, don't cut my face off. And then he's like, so we've agreed we're not cutting my face off. Like, <laughs> Moon Knight's known for being totally brutal. Um... The last time we read Moon Knight was during that Avengers run where it's like, hey, it's a full moon. I'm the most powerful. I'm taking out everybody. And I just, 
I hated that. I think that was like my least favorite book that month that we did it. And they do mention that run in this number one where like there's an editor's note. It's like, oh, this took place in Avengers number whatever. Yeah. Um, I really right. like this take on Moon Knight where it's like, no, like I'm setting up that corner mission. Like people come in, they tell me their problems. I'm going to go out and get it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to fight vampires on the street because they're putting people in danger. And then my therapist is like, oh, you, you let them go. It's like, well, yeah, they were victims too. Like the, the vampires were forced into a pyramid scheme. Like they're my people. Um, fighting against like, I did enjoy that the vampires were doing a weird pyramid scheme where, no, no, congratulations. Go out there and get, and turn four more. Realize your potential growth. (laughs) Um, I liked a lot of this book. So much that I think this is now my favorite take on Moon Knight. And this is my favorite book for this month. And John, thank you. Because this is not something I ever would have picked up on my own. Because every other iteration of Moon Knight I have not enjoyed. But this one, it just clicks. There's something about it. Like, there's a weird, can't be fun to it. It's building towards something else. Like, nothing seems forced. Like, he's talking to his therapist. It's like... Oh yeah, like I have these weird powers. I'm I'm the high priest of a god, so like it's a thing. I can't die, I don't think. I'm gonna keep coming back. I don't know. Like I I really like this, and then the fact that they're coming up into that telegraph like, oh, there's another fist that now is like they're going up against each other, like that's a matchup that I'm looking forward and to. And then like this this is my favorite. And book then of the there's month. another villain too, who's going to try to destroy Moon Knight. Um, no, if you if you like this, the Warren Ellis, and I think it's continued by Colin Bunn. That's what, like, this book is based off of what they did in that series, because it basically was the kind of thing. It was him just driving around. He's fighting like a mold. We. We read that. I did not like that as yeah. much as I like this one. Like this, there's there's something about it. It yeah. just it I, works. I, I also I like Warren Ellis comics. I, I I really like this too. I I I keep I I test out issue ones of Moon Knights. I've and then I go. No, this isn't the Moon Knight I like. Mm-hmm. I've read some that I really love. This one, I I like. I will continue to buy issue ones of Moon Knight to see if it, it works. I will continue buying this book. Will you two? buy oh, yeah. issue... Oh, okay, yeah. I say, will Come you on. buy I'm, issue I'm two of this Moon Knight? I think the book looks great, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a subtle thing, and when I say subtle, I mean, like, they do it so you notice it, but when you have Moon Knight kind of, like, gliding or flying through the city, like, his like the shape of his cape makes, like, the crescent moon, and I'm like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how you got to do it. Like, it just fits so right, and it's so well done that you're like, yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't you draw Moon Knight I love, that? too, that he's got, like, the Moon Knight, like, Batarang kind of things. He hits that vampire, but then he's just got, like, a really shitty made steak that he's staking them all with. Like, <laughs> uh, you tried to kill an old lady. I killed one of yours. We're even. Go back. Go back to the sewers. Live your life. Or I will kill all of you. Like, 
It just works. Uh, Something that I think doesn't work is X-Men number one uh, by Jerry... I might, I might fight by Jerry that, Duggan in a in a mech <laughs> that you create. Paul Throne Shade too. Uh, art. He's drunk. Uh, he's, he's he's half asleep now. <laughs> yeah, uh, art I'm just by tired Pepe now. Liz- Larzaz. Larzaz. Hmm? Uh, and this is an X Men book that I thought would be a lot. I enjoy Jerry Duggan enough that I picked up an X-Men book. When was the last time I bought an X-Men book, guys? <laughs> yeah. Wolverine uh, the X-Men. Seven years ago. I, I, You did. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Uh, Give me an answer. I want an X-Men book that, and I know the, Paul, what's, what, what are the, what's the, the, we talked about this before, the island, the, Krakoa. Oh, uh, I just don't need Krakoa in my X-Men books anymore. But that's kind of like the through line for everything because this is like the new but word. if that is true, all I, all I know all I know about Krakoa is it makes them the Eternals now. A better Eternals. From the one issue from the one issue I read of the Eternals where I'm like, oh, they just keep on getting reincarnated and reborn in this weird place. I'm like, oh, that's Krakoa. Oh, but, they're the X-Men. But, but they're not the but here's X-Men? The, the X-Men are so much more interesting than the Eternals that you hear that premise, you're like, okay, whatever. But once the X-Men are like, okay, like that's fine because they have such a weird storied history and there's so many characters that you like that have had some sort of impact on that like history. Like, you're excited for it. Like, the Eternals, like, yeah. just, we can't find a way that makes it work for us as, you know, friends in a podcast. Like, the X-Men, though, like, it's one of those things that we're always chasing and always wanting to work. And I'm sorry, John, you can keep talking about because this is your book. I think this is a good addition to, like, that current X-Men continuity i guess and i will say that i'm not i'm not a fan of that we've read a bunch of these for the lookbacks i I just keep looking at paul's eyes rolling into the back of his head where he's like half asleep (laughs) i'm just tired (laughs) i'm so tired Uh, i'm so tired but like you say the cola is the through line but we have polaris in another book which is a totally different version of the Polaris that we get in this book. And mm-hmm. like it just the character the a lot of the characters didn't feel right. Cyclops who I was I was excited to see Jerry Duggan write him like you don't really get a lot out of him. You don't get a lot out of Marvel Girl or Jean Grey. I mean I did like his interaction yeah, I with Benning Him with Ben Yurk's like the marquee moment of this book where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I was a kid. I always wanted to live in a treehouse. Like, isn't it great? Look at everything you're doing. And then as soon as Ben starts, like, those harding questions, like, hey, so last I knew, you know, I can't remember who it was, like, was dead. And I did the legwork. 
you know, dead is dead. And then you have like Cyclops being like, hey, thanks for stopping by, you know. S- see, see, see you next later. time. And then, like, he just said, and that was it, what two pages ago, right? It's, it's like a, it's a little it's, bit more. But then you have him like collapsing, like as soon as he passes through that gate. It's like, fuck! Like, why did I say I would talk to the press? Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't and like it, that. It, that was good. Two pages. But how many pages is it? Out of twenty. And then, then we're not. We don't follow up with that in this. We we get the problem. We know we're going to get a follow up. Like it's coming, but it's oh, not. Like, they it's have just... one of those kind of like interstitial. You get to read the article from Ben Yurick pages, so it's yeah. going to be something that comes oh, I'm back. Not reading that oh, show. I actually read those. I sk- I, I skimmed oh, okay. it. It was good. And then you have uh, Evangelion show up, and the X Men fight it, and they beat <laughs> it. And I think, in my opinion, kind of a stupid way. And then it's like, oh, this is all going to be this uh, gambling gambling vessel and just keep sending things down to fight Earth to destroy them, but we'll gamble on it. Like the skeleton astronaut dude that's like leading it, that has this entity come out of it, kind of cool, but I just did not, I could not. Yeah, that entity that came out of it, I was annoyed because <laughs> I just read the Huntress at that point, and I'm like, uh, ah, this is a better version of it. Um, Some bullshit so coming out of people's my eyes. My thing right now, after I subjected everyone to reading Excalibur, um, I'm trying to pick up all those other like X family books that started off with like Way of X, Path of X, X of Powers, Power of X, Ten. Power whatever Ten. everything was. No, it, it's X. We talked about this. Um, I like this iteration of the X-Men, Power and I time. do want to read all of it. It's just the fact that there's so much coming out from it makes it hard. So this is the first, like, actually current X book that I've read outside of Way of X and Power of Ten, a.k.a. Power of X, when we read that, like, over a year ago now. And I do like this style of X-Men. Like, it's very interesting for me. And I think this book looks great. And I think it does what it's trying to do very well. And when you said we already have Polaris in another book, I couldn't remember what book she's popped up in. Uh, Was it X-Factor? One of you, X Factor. One of you picked X-Factor. it. We okay. just read it a couple months ago. Uh, it was what you say. One of us. It was Paul. Paul would have picked up X Factor. Um, yeah. I I know we read that book. I think I liked it, but I don't remember that version of Polaris versus this one at all. Um, mm-hmm. so I can't speak to that. All I know is this book has Rogue in it, and. I'm a fan of some rogue, so wait, wait. Let me uh, get my denim vest that I had on before with my Razor Cult bookstore because I also have a rogue pin on it. Yeah, like the animated yeah. series rogue. Uh, and Paul, style. also, I have. Oh, it's a llama, buddy. Oh yeah, the llama. Yeah, I, have Cu- from, I have Cusco uh, as a llama. I have um, Cusco. I don't know. Not my favorite book for this month because that was Moon Knight, but this is definitely up there on my list of things that we read. It definitely is on my list of things we read. 
I, well, no, I'm I'm looking forward to when I catch up with the rest of my X Men reading because there's so much stuff that they've put out over like the last two years that I am very interested in that I am going to keep kind of picking up and like not trying to catch up, but I'm trying to plot out where everything places so I can then read it because I really dig this iteration of the X-Men and thank, thank you for putting this on the list even though like nobody else seemed to like it I like that I enjoyed this and it kind of solidifies the fact that I'm like no like maybe my appreciation of X-Men now will have payoff because I got like two years of stories to continue on reading I got like Swords of X. I have like X Corp. I have Marauders. Like I got, I got a lot of. X books I, the last thing I'll say about this book, and then we can we can close up the show because Paul's eyes continuing to roll in his head just make me feel weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just so damn tired. The fact that Kakroa <laughs> keeps being the through line through this, but it doesn't feel like any of these stories have any other continuity. That they're just going to get reset in another. You're going to get six issues from this book. It's going to reset, and then there's going to be another X Men team. And I feel like that's just been X Men for the last five years. Is you get like a trade, yeah. and then boom, it's something else. Boom, it's something else. It doesn't matter that Polaris is the leader of of X Force or X Factor, X Factor, whatever it is. Like it doesn't or seem matter what's going on but they still have to keep driving home this Krakoa. When I just want an X-Men team doing cool stuff. And like... And it seemed like that's so, what so we got. Because when they beat up the villain, you got Fantastic Four being like, Hey, congratulations, you're back. I'm so happy. And then the Avengers being like, Hey, X-Men, good to be back. Cool. Things <laughs> making a brisket. We're and then we got, oh, we're going to park this like weird thing that we stole all of these uh, construction so, steel from. <laughs> I, I don't want to like, circle uh, back because I do want Paul to get some sleep. Have we kept up on X-Factor, though, to know that maybe Polaris jumping into this book doesn't make sense? Because it's been Not like really, but her- probably like five, six months since we read that issue. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it makes sense. I don't know. I haven't kept up. Paul, it's an X Factor book. There's crossovers. Why, why didn't you keep up? Yeah, because there's five different crossovers that happen in between with the uh, Marauders Gala, Hellfire Gala, whatever it is called. Uh, and they killed off Scarlet Witch. Uh, I that? I did know something about that. Um, because they mention it in this book where, like, hey, if you're going to say that you killed Scarlet Witch, I don't want to. So uh, I just did some research over on our Instagram, Bagnaboard. Make sure you follow us. We read X-Factor number one back in August of 2020. No. Oh, a whole year ago. Yes. Y- you can check it out. Follow us over Bagnaboard Instagram. The posting... F- because I made that the cover artwork because that was the book that I liked the most. And, you know, I do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was posted August 25th, 2020. So it's been almost a year since we read that book. 
Yeah, but I'm going off of that book that we read a year ago, and also the X Factor books that I read back uh, 25 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and Polaris doesn't act that way. She's not a sort of cup. Uh, I see. She's like she's person. a character she, that's she always up stuff, but I don't know how she acts because I I don't think anyone knows how to actually write her. Uh, she has a vulnerability. She's always worried about whether or not she's powerful enough to do what she does. She's always worried about whether or not she's uh, related to Magneto and what that means for her. Can she actually be good with her lineage being so evil? Like, come on. That, that's, 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 that's Polaris right there. So, and she's in love with Havoc. That's number that's four. Number four. Uh, and guys, hopefully you were number one in your hearts. Uh, thanks for listening. Just like thanks. Polaris and Havoc. Thanks for everything you do for us, which should include emailing us over at bangboardcast at gmail.com, uh, rating us, reviewing us, everything you got to do. Um, we just do this for the love of it. So, hey, thanks. I'm so tired.